Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Gentle Parents Unite weekly podcast with Sujai Johnson, Margie Zintz, and Vivek Patel. We are glad to have you here. We share concepts and strategies that help parents have more harmonious relationships with their kids and different ideas that can help you get through the struggles of parenting. We know parenting can be hard sometimes, and we want to offer whatever support we can. You can find us on Facebook by typing in Gentle Parents Unite, and also on our Patreon, also by typing in Gentle Parents Unite. So grab a notebook and a pen so you can jot down your ideas and questions. And we look forward to spending the next little bit of time with you, sharing ideas around parenting. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Gentle Parents Unite podcast. This is the second bonus episode of season three. The reason we're doing this bonus episode is we take a little break between seasons and season four is going to start next week. In our Gentle Parents Unite Patreon space, which is our parent support group, I do a coaching call every week, mostly on Mondays. And before I do the call, I give a little talk about parenting. I talk about certain things like empathy or dealing, coming back from difficult moments and also how to work with our kids in challenging moments and how to uplift them and all sorts of really beautiful, deep ideas that are very supportive. And then after that, we open up the floor to parents sharing what's going on in their lives and then I give some feedback and other people give feedback and it's a really beautiful supportive environment. So in this podcast what I've done is I've compiled three or four clips of me talking about empathy and about coming back from difficult moments and I put them all in one podcast for you so you can hear the kind of things that I talk about on a weekly basis. If this interests you please check out our Patreon. If you go to patreon.com and type in Gentle Parents Unite you can find us. Season four is going to be starting next week And we're going to be doing all sorts of great things, including we have a couple of guests lined up. We already have Kirsty Lee of Gentle Parenting Memes that we're going to be interviewing as well. We're going to be interviewing my daughter, who's 23. And she was already interviewed in season two. And now we're going to interview her again in season four. And she has, she's going to be 23, actually, very soon. And she's been raised from the very beginning in the gentle parenting philosophy, even though I didn't know that's what it was called 23 years ago. Actually, it probably wasn't called that 23 years ago. It was just called Vivek trying to figure out how to get along with his kid without ever punishing her or giving her consequences or holding authority over her, basically. And now she's 23 and the two of us are best of friends. And I'm very excited about doing a second interview with her on this podcast. So Jai and I also will talk weekly about topics that are uh, on our hearts around parenting. And we also answer questions. So I look forward to season four. And in the meantime, please enjoy these clips of me giving a talk on parenting and different subjects. they go to bed they uh they try and curate their last little bit of time before they go to bed so that the thoughts that they fall asleep with are are intentional and uh, that way when their mind is working throughout the night um it's it's working on the last especially the last little bit of thing whatever it is that they were tuning into and so they put uh effort into not um, like not scrolling negative news just before they go to bed and uh, thinking positive thoughts just before they go to bed. And it's almost like they're curating their the last thoughts of the day. I guess I haven't been as intentional doing that with my own thoughts, but I certainly try and do that with my kid, you know, ever since she was very young. 
uh, bedtime was always this time to help her um, focus her thoughts and reflect on the day. And I know a lot of parents do this kind of beautiful thing where you ask, what was your best part of the day? What was the hard parts of your day? And uh, I always try and make it a time for questions too. Do you have any questions, anything on your mind that you're wondering about? And then we would just explore questions together. And, uh, and yeah, and like I said, even now she's 23, almost 23. I keep saying she's 23. She'll be 23 in May, uh, towards the end of next month. Um, but even at this point, I put real attention into those, into the, the last interactions we have of the day. And, uh, I find it to be really meaningful and, and it's one of the, it's one of the things that I do, uh, you know, really intentionally. And, uh, I find that the more I, the more I interact intentionally, the more I think through things intentionally and, uh, and make sort of plans for how I'm going to, uh, work with things, the more I can be in alignment, you know, with my values and my principles. Because when I just going on automatic, um, I'm not, even now, I'm, after working on myself for decades, I'm still at a point where if I just go on automatic, my old patterns still assert themselves. And old patterns are sticky, you know, really, really sticky. And when we're under stress, they become more sticky. And when we're uh, frightened or uh, upset or... Um, you know, we're uh, under under pressure, or if we have some kind of negative experience, uh, they can become even more sticky. You know, and then we, uh, and then we, um, then they end up coming out in places where we don't want them to. And I know that, like, just a few days ago on Saturday, well, today's Monday, so just on Saturday, I had this meeting. Um, I was part of a symposium, organized a symposium recently, and I was. Uh, in a meeting, a post-symposium meeting with the presenters, and the way that they were reflecting their feedback to me was really harsh. I felt like they could have easily been kinder with what they said. Not that they had to change the content of what they said, but I thought they could have been kinder. I always say that, you know, part of communication is the content and part of the communication is the relationship, and both are equally important. And uh, and sometimes we focus too much on one and too much on the other, and we we get out of balance. But when we focus equally on the relationship, the impact of our relationship and the impact of the content, then our communication can be much more effective. And so I've been, hold, I've been holding some tension around, uh, around that and feeling bad about it. And then it, it brings up patterns of my, of my self-criticism and defensiveness and all this stuff. Um, because that's how, that's how the mind works. And even though I kind of know that's how the mind works, I'm still in it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it, I don't get to, because I know that that's how it works, doesn't mean I get to escape the actual effect of it, right? So then, um, I, it's really, then it's really important for me to, when I know something like that's happening, uh, wanting to be a conscious parent, it's really important for me to then um, work with those feelings as intentionally as I can so that they don't end up leaking out onto my kid, um, or at least I can minimize it. And, uh, and, and I know that when I'm going through something where I have my own emotional stress, that there's a higher likelihood that I'm going to dump some of that onto my kid. And when there's a higher likelihood of it, I 
turn my self-awareness up to a higher level too because I want and I try and be more intentional with my interactions. So when I go into an interaction, I don't allow myself to just interact as uh, just like unconsciously. I really think to myself, how am I speaking? What am I saying? How am I reacting? And I know that there's going to be some reaction. So I prepare in advance so that I know that I'm I can be even if I'm not centered, I can still um, notice what's happening and make more conscious choices. So hard to do. This is really, really hard to do. This is not something that, you know, you hear once and, and all of a sudden you can do it. It's something that we practice and we develop over a long time. And the great thing is that it's something we can practice and develop over a long time. That's the great thing about it is because we can actually practice that skill and learn it. And, uh, and, and it helps us to shift old patterns, you know, old reaction patterns and relational patterns and behavior patterns. Um, there was an anonymous post on, on GPU today about uh, this parent who was trying to shift away from spanking and punishments because that's how they were brought up. And they didn't realize there was another way until recently, and now they're trying to shift. And how hard that shift is for them, and how much of a struggle that shift is for them. It's never too late to shift patterns, but it's harder to do once you've established a, a relational, relational pattern and then try and shift it. It's harder. Um, and I'm sure any of you who are doing that shift in the middle of that transition, you know that, that there's, there's a back and forth that happens. And even, you know, when, when my uh, daughter was born and I had all these lofty ideals, I used to say my reality is clashing with my ideology because I had no idea how emotional it was going to be, how challenging it was going to be, all of the uh, triggers that were going to come up, all of the, the layers that were buried that were going to be unearthed, and uh, and and the the volcano of uh, the volcanic eruption of my uh, of my feelings in my past, I hadn't I really wasn't prepared for it, and uh, and so I really had to put on, I really had to 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 go deep into myself and do a lot of work and still do. And so you know, like one of the things when when we have those. Uh, those, those experiences where things are out of alignment, where we yell or um, we lose our temper or maybe we, we punish or give a consequence, even if it's an emotional consequence or a relational consequence, not the obvious kind. But sometimes it's the obvious kind too if we lose our cool. Um, you know, these things happen. And that's part of the transition is that we end up, we still, we have one foot in the old mindset and we have one foot in the new mindset and we're, do, we're transitioning ourselves towards the new mindset, but the old mindset still has a, a hold on us, right? And so one of the most important things when we do have those reactions, um, and I talk about this a lot, is to forgive ourselves, you know, to empathize with ourselves, to give ourselves compassion for the fact that we are on a learning path. And learning means making mistakes, analyzing the mistakes, creating an intention based on that, and then doing more work, and then making more mistakes, and doing that again, right? That's how learning occurs, really. I mean, there are other, other, other aspects to learning as well, but that's one of the primary, uh, one of the primary ways that learning occurs is, is that process. And so we can't really avoid making mistakes. 
And so because of that, if we want to, and this is one of the reasons people, I think one of the reasons people don't engage in deep learning and deep change processes is because it hurts. It hurts to make those mistakes, you know? And if we, if we engage in, in this learning process, if we reach towards an ideal, if we're reaching towards um, consciously chosen values and principles that are not, that's not what we were before, then we're going to fall out of alignment. We're going to make mistakes. We're going um, to react in ways we wish we hadn't. And it hurts and when we do that, you know. And so, uh, and so a lot of people are um, uh, avoided because of that. And, and I know that. And, and, and maybe, they, maybe some people maybe know that that's why they're avoiding it. Some people don't. For some people, they just double down on being right about it. If you go to any... Tr- any post, not not necessarily in GPU, because we we curate that space pretty, pretty pretty strongly. But if you go into any pu- public parenting posts, you can see the harshness in the comments, you know, towards children. And a lot of that is people just digging their heels into what they, what in the old mindset, the old patterns, because facing new ones is 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 so hard, you know. And we can see this, and that's why having compassion and empathy for ourselves is so important. That's why I, I teach the, the micro practices, which is the micro meditation, the micro self-compassion, and the micro self-observation, because those three things together perform such a, a powerful, um, they're such a powerful combination for our consciousness. That's why I love to do the meditations every week, because the meditation puts us deeper in touch with ourselves. And, uh, and that's why I, I teach EARS, which is the empathy system that I teach, that I created, of empathize, affirm, relate, and support, because when we give ourselves empathy and compassion, and uh, and really honor the fact that we're on this learning path, it makes such a difference. And another thing is when you have feelings of of, of frustration or um, stress or despair, um, of guilt, and even shame, anger, um, disappointment, all the different kind of you know, the different flavors of, 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 of pain and negative feelings that we have. That sometimes we want to push them away and, uh, or rationalize them. And, and sometimes, I mean, rationalizing meaning rationalize them away so that we don't like, oh, it's just this or, oh, it comes from that so I don't have to feel it anymore. I think learning from it and investigating where they come from makes sense. I think it makes sense to try and understand ourselves and, and, and understand the perspectives that we're coming from. And it makes sense to shift it too. And at the same time, not to do any of that in a way that pushes the feelings away or pushes them down. Like my mom says, push them down right into your big toe. You know? <laughs> Shove them down into your big toe. Because if we, if we repress them like that, then they end, up, uh, uh, they end up getting into our system, into our nervous system. They come out in our reactions they affect our thoughts and our perceptions. Uh, it's just not a good scene. So learning to be able to sit with our feelings is such an important part of that process as well. And um, being able to sit with them, be able to feel them and hold ourselves. You know, like if a child is crying and we hold them, and to be able to hold ourselves in our own feelings, you know, um, to be able to hold ourselves in our pain and our frustration. And to let the feelings really be with us. And that's one of the ways that we can learn 
to have the feelings and not operate from them. I want to be able to have my sadness, and, but not always operate from it. I want to be able to have my anger, but not always operate from it. Because when I operate from it, then I'm not operating consciously. But if I repress it, then it's going to come out unconsciously anyways. And again, I'm not acting consciously. So it's this weird mixture of things um, where on the one hand, we don't want to project our pain onto our kids. And in order to do that, we need to feel it deeply rather than shove it away. Now, having said that, I want to give props for shoving away sometimes. Sometimes it's necessary in the moment to shove things away because we, can't, we don't always have the space to, to feel our feelings, especially we're in the, we're in the midst of, of something happening. Um, so there is a certain there are certain times to shove things away. I don't want to give any. I don't want to say that that never is uh, never is appropriate, but most of the time, uh, and even when we do um, shove it away, to come back to it and to let them come back to us and let ourselves feel it, so that it goes goes through. Like even this thing I was talking about with the with the presenters at that meeting. I know it's going to be really useful for me to let myself really feel those feelings. And I've been having to do it just a little at a time because uh, it, it can be overwhelming. So I let a little bit of that out. I feel a little bit hurt. I feel unseen. I feel de- undervalued. All this stuff, right? And I don't want to operate from there. I don't want to like write this like lashing out email at these, <laughs> to these people. I've composed the email a few times, let me tell you. But I don't... <laughs> I've composed the email a few times in my head, but I don't want to send it. And I don't want to even write it down in case I accidentally click send. Um, so that's part of it, right? Like al- allowing myself to, to to really express myself, express the feelings. But then I want to think about what's the most uh, appropriate and effective way for me to communicate my experience. Or is it even appropriate for me to communicate my experience depending on the circumstance? But in any in all of those circumstances, being able to sit with my feelings and feel them and let them run through my body and have their own have their way with me, so to speak, um, that's really important. Yeah. So um, the other thing is that when we press up against old patterns, when we notice old patterns. And we press up against them, and they come, they're right in our face. Uh, like I was talking about, change, change is really hard. You know, it hurts the change. Um, and the old patterns, when they want to assert themselves, and we want to operate from new patterns, from new values. Maybe they're not new. Maybe they're the ones we, we always had, but they were uh, buried under the ones that were imposed upon us when we were in our, in our formative years. When we experience that, then there's this there's this a real discomfort with it that can cause us to want to pull back. Um, and I have found in my experience that when I when I stay in that discomfort and I live on sort of living on the edge of my discomfort of the old patterns and I and I keep them and I keep facing them and I keep pressing into them. And pressing into them means like. Like if my tendency is to criticize, then I'll, I won't pretend, I won't, like, I won't ignore that. I'll watch it really carefully and I'll watch it arise. And I'll always be aware of my tendency to criticize. Rather than try and push it away, I'll keep it right on the tip of my tongue. So I'm watching it all the time. I watch it happen. I watch the urge arise. I watch how it moves through my body. I watch the words that want to come to me. And I let them come. I let them come. But only in my head. But I let it happen. I sit with that. 
I push, I press into it. I call it, I call it leaning into your learning edge, the learning edge, right? Right on the edge. Now, I, 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 I also mean to do this in a gentle way, I, you know, to do what I call gentle consistency, where I'm consistently on the edge, but I'm just on the edge. I'm not like diving, dive bombing past the edge where where because that can be um dramatic right i want to just be on just beyond the edge of my comfort just beyond the edge of uh my self-awareness so that i'm i'm pressing into it and even that hurts you know when we have to make big changes in ourselves um which i'm always working on myself you know trying to change things um i uh, it can hurt like it like well, I often say it feels like a cheese grater in our brain, uh, rubbing across our brain. Because the temptation to go with the familiar is always there, and I always say chase the cheese grater, which is what learning into the le- leaning into your learning edges. And the thing is that you know we can often feel like it's hopeless, we can also feel helpless, and. A lot of that comes from the messages we received through our past and through our lives and through our trauma and through our difficult experiences that we can't make these big changes, that we can't do it, you know. Or that if, we do, if it doesn't happen right away, then we're a failure. That's the other message that we can get. And none of that is true. And this is the, 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 the last part of this idea of shifting patterns that I want to talk to you about is... Um, is to is to is it's kind of the you know I talk about sitting with feelings and empathy a lot, um, but I, I haven't talked about this a lot about about believing in yourself, you know, because um, a lot of the time when people say believe in yourself, it can sound hollow, because they're saying it in a way which is saying believe in yourself meaning don't think the negative thoughts and don't have the negative feelings, and so it can seem hollow. It can seem like spiritual mumbo jumbo kind of thing. What's normally called, what's often called bypassing, spiritual bypassing, or toxic positivity is another way I've heard of it. And I don't mean it that way. I, I think obviously I don't mean it that way because I just spent, um, you know, 20 minutes talking about feeling your feelings and feeling the pain and sitting in the pain. So I'm not talking about ex- excusing it or running from it. And I have found also that it's really useful to have a self-uplifting practice, a self-affirming practice to dig down beneath the layers of doubt, self-doubt, and self-condemnation, beneath the pain, and to feel your power, even if you don't feel it. I call it believe anyway, right? To believe in yourself even if the evidence is to the contrary. Believe anyway. To believe in your power, to believe in your strength, to believe in your capacity, and to believe in your love. Because you have this incredible power inside of you. The same power that was there when you were born and your, and your eyes were alive with, with, with power and beauty and curiosity and love. The same strength that, that, um, that you came in as a, as, a, as a newborn and is your connection to the infinite and your connection to your deep knowing and your deep self. You know, that, 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 that sense of, of infinite love that's inside of you, the connection to your source, all of that is there. And 
and digging for it is a huge part of this process. Because even when we make mistakes, like I said, that's part of the process. And having some kind of self-affirming practice is also part of it. So I really want to encourage you to, to practice it. You know, and all practices seem awkward and difficult and even fake at first. You know, I taught martial arts for many years, and I often talk about this, that when I would teach a skill, and I also am a dance teacher, and when I teach a skill and people can't do it, uh, and it's awkward and difficult, they often want to give up. And I say, look, you can't, you can't get it the first time. You can't get it the second time. And even if you do get it the first time, then you're going to slip back again because the old patterns are going to reassert themselves. But just keep practicing and practicing, even if it doesn't look like it's possible. Because every time you practice, it makes a little difference. And so I really want to encourage you to, 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 to do that, you know, to, to, say some, to find some, some self-affirmation. That's why I do this. That's why I do the self-love meditation. One of the meditations I do is the self-love meditation, and uh, I did it very recently. I'm not going to do it this week. Uh, I'm doing a meditation on Wednesday and on Friday this week. I'm going to do the same one Wednesday and Friday. Um, so check out the schedule for that. But I really want to. Uh, but I really want to encourage you to come up, even if it, even if you just write down a phrase, um, you know, like like you, you you know you you have more love than you think. Or you're stronger than you think. That's, a, that's a, something simple and beautiful like that, you know. Or you're a deeply loving person. I, me, I say, what I often say to myself is, you're a good guy, Vivek. <laughs> I, know it's, I know it's like so simple and basic and almost silly sounding. But it gives me some comfort, you know. Because, I, I mean, rarely, you know, like, there's rarely a day goes by where I don't, I don't hurt someone or say something that hurts someone or offends someone or, or do, is out of alignment in some way. And, I, and it hurts when I do that because I care about people and I don't want to hurt other people. And that remorse is healthy. But at the same time, I don't want to feel shame about myself. I don't want to feel like I'm a bad person because of it. And that's not going to help. That's not going to help me. It's not going to help anyone. I want to keep believing in myself. You're a good guy, Vivek. You're trying, you're trying really hard. You're trying your best. You made a mistake. Get up and keep going. You know, and I say that to myself. Um... And even as I'm even as I'm thinking about this, and I, uh, you know, I often doubt my own strength and my own capacity, and I need to keep believing in that. I need to affirm for myself, Vivek, you have strength, you have capacity, you can learn. The learning mindset is so important to protect because when we lose the learning mindset, then we're stuck, right? The learning mindset says you can learn, and life is about learning and growing, you know, and reaching. And if I believe that about myself, if you believe that about yourself. Um, it can make such a huge difference in your progress, especially these days when all of our stress is kind of amplified because of being, uh, you know, I, uh, the social isolation and everything. It's Everything is amplified. Everything was already difficult before that, and now it's <laughs> amplified. So these kind of practices are so important to do intentionally to help get us through these really hard times. <sighs> okay, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to that. I really wanted to share that with you. It's been on my mind. I made a video <clears throat> I made a video a few days ago about pressing up against patterns where I go into some personal stories around it too which I'm going to I'm going to publish soon I'm going to edit and publish soon um and I'll share it in the group when I finish um but I wanted to share the kind of, kind of this part of the philosophy with you 
about empathizing with yourself, sitting with feelings, um, pressing up against the old patterns and being willing to exist in the discomfort, about believing in the learning mindset and staying focused on the learning mindset, and then having a self-affirming practice, believing in your power, your strength, your capacity, and your love. That's like the synopsis of what we talked about. Um, wonderful. Well, welcome everybody. We might as well start. I am uh, going to just talk a little bit and then we'll open it up to people sharing what's in their hearts or something they might be struggling with or something that maybe is a, um, a success that you've had that you want uh, to share and that others can learn from or maybe a situation that you're having that is really uh, that you're struggling with or something like that. Maybe it's about parenting or maybe it's just something about your relationship with yourself or something that you want to ask about. And then I can share some ideas and then the community um, can also share. Sujai, Margie and I, we recorded our our podcast today. But today we talked about uh, punishment and, uh, and why we don't use punishment in gentle parenting. And we figured that we put some, uh, some of the basic concepts out on the second season and maybe even the third season now. And, you know, it really, that conversation really struck me because in, in, in the end, one of the things that we really uh, focused on was how when people, uh, when people react in a punitive way, whether it's to other adults or to uh, their kids, a lot of the reason that they do it is because that's how they're treating themselves. You know, that's how they're treating themselves in difficult moments. That's how, that's how they've, been, they've learned to treat themselves. That's how they've learned that that's what, uh, that's what relating to themselves is about. Um, and of course, learning that in their childhood and then having that confirmed through so many aspects of society and uh, in school and probably in the workplace and in the media and um, in so many different places, we get, this, we get this idea put firmly into our heads that when we make mistakes, when we do something wrong, we deserve to be punished. And deserving to be punished means deserving of, of pain and disconnection. And, and it's, um, it's, yeah, it goes deep inside of us. I know I've been working on uh, self-compassion for a couple of decades myself, you know. And, uh, and I still have that. I still, uh, I still come down hard on myself when I make mistakes. Um, and yet I'm continuously working to change it. I'm working to change it to improve my, the quality of my own life. I work to change it to improve the quality of my kid's life. And uh, um, because the, I know that the kinder I am to myself, uh, the more that, that instinctually is going to come out and affect her and all my relationships, you know. And so much, uh, you know, so much of our lives are, uh, the quality of our lives is governed by the quality of our, our relationships, you know. Um, if we have relationships where there's trust and um, real care about each other's experience um, and respect for boundaries, not just a respect for boundaries, but like a, a desire to respect boundaries. Like one of my one-liners is, I have a lot of one-liners, you probably know that. One of my one-liners is, um, I don't want to teach my kid to respect boundaries. I want to teach my kid to want to respect boundaries. And it's so different, you know, when I respect someone else's boundaries, um, I feel like I'm doing, giving myself a gift. I feel like I'm honoring myself, you know, and being, uh, walking in the world with the kind of person that I, I want to. And uh, not, I don't do it out of, out of fear, well, sometimes, but most of the time I don't do it out of fear. Um, I do it because, you know, it's, it's the kind of person I want to be. 
And, uh, but it's taken a long time for me to get, to get there. Um, but every little bit matters, you know, every little bit matters. Even when you're sharing stuff today, even if it's stuff that you did, maybe that you're not proud of, like maybe you yelled at your kids or, um, maybe you, uh, you, you know, you did something that was disconnecting or maybe you didn't treat yourself well, uh, and you want to share something like that. Um, I want us all to, together and for ourselves, to hold whatever that is in a spirit of real compassion um, and understanding so that we can look at it safely. Because we can't look at it safely. That's the beautiful thing about compassion is it allows us to look at our, the things that we do that we wish we didn't do um, and, ask, and allows us to look at it safely. Because if we, are, we know predictably that, it's, that we're going to be punished even by ourselves, it's harder to look at. But if we can hold it safely and we can hold it in compassion and, and empathy, uh, then we can actually look really closely at those things. It's much easier to make changes then because we can, we can spot them and we don't, it doesn't hurt every time. Well, it still hurts, but it's, it hurts because we're, we're hurt. <laughs> Not because we're adding the hurt by punishing ourselves. Um, so I would love it if we could, if we could like, just put a little extra attention on that for each other and for ourselves as we're, as we're sharing today. Yeah, I think that will really help us. And I think it'll really help all of, all of us if we, if we can practice that. You know, like we'll practice it on the call and then we'll practice it uh, off the call too. Um, when we're in our, in our daily lives and working with our kids, um, that we can keep practicing uh, self-compassion. And uh, it might be worth revisiting the, um, the podcast on self-compassion. I don't remember which one it is. The one I went into, the micro self-compassion, uh, where it had, because there's a meditation that goes with that, where you create, um, you create a, a phrase for yourself. And, uh, and you use that phrase to give yourself compassion throughout the day. Uh, it might be worth revisiting that one, because it's, uh, it's pretty powerful. aspects to the empathy that I teach. One is ears, and ears is a, is a specific system of empathy uh, 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 to, to, to share with your kids, which stands for empathize, affirm, relate, and, and support. And so uh, what I do is I start with uh, empathizing, which is, I see what you're feeling. And then, uh, so like, oh, you're upset because you dropped your fork. Wow. And then, and then A is affirming, which is affirming that it's natural to feel that way. It's natural to feel that way when you drop your fork. I feel that way too when I drop something. That's R, relate. Um, and that way, it just, it's just three sentences, although sometimes that three sentences takes 20 minutes or, or an hour. But, but, you know, it's the idea of really tuning in and offering that connection and not doing the but. Like you said, but, right? And I actually call that, that's the second concept. The second concept I call empathy but. And empathy but is where we offer the empathy and then we say but, which basically um, doesn't allow the empathy to have the time to really sink in and do its work. Because empathy is more than just mental, right? Empathy is emotional and eventually it's physical and it goes into our cells. And, the, and our emotional nature, our mental nature and our physical nature are all really uh, interrelated, if not one, really, you know, different aspects of one, one thing, which is our beingness. And with kids, that distinction is even less. And so when we, uh, when we do empathy but, we don't allow the empathy to really sink in. The opposite of empathy but 
is sustained empathy. And that's what you described just now, where you offer the empathy and you just let it sit. Let the lesson come later. The lesson can still come because we want to be guides to our kids, but let the lesson come much later after things are calmed down and, uh, and the big emotions are, are, not, uh, are not present because it's hard to learn in those moments. Um, and we want them to feel that we are a trusting, safe place for those emotions to come out. And that way they're more open to learning from us because, they don't, again, they don't have to protect themselves from us. Empathy but has a tendency to make kids want to protect themselves from us. What I usually do is I ask the parent to role play being in the kid's uh, position. So imagine uh, that you've done something that you weren't supposed to do. And your parent, uh, and you go to your parent and they tell you that you weren't supposed to do it and it's wrong. And as a result of that, I want you to know that it's wrong and I'm gonna isolate you in your room for five minutes. And then when you come out, I tell you again that it was wrong. So when you're alone in that room and you've just been told that you're wrong and you're feeling bad, um, how do you feel, like what kind of thoughts do you think that kid is having at that moment? Are they thinking, wow, I really wanna respect other people more and I'm really feeling closer to other people and I'm really feeling my heart opening um, so that I wanna care for other people's experience? Um, and, or are they saying, it's so unfair that I got locked in here and, uh, and, and uh, against my will. And usually, uh, usually that's what they're, they're thinking. They're usually not thinking deep thoughts about how to care uh, and respect other people more. Um, because the way, we, the way we treat other people comes from how we feel more than how we think, um, unless we make the conscious choice to do it differently. And with kids, they respond very much from a feeling instinctual level a lot of the time um, and then uh, and if we try and if we try and uh, force them not to behave from their feelings then the only way to do that really is to make them repress their feelings um, but if we instead if we uh, if we help them want to care for our experience if we want them if we want to help them want to care for the for the house and for the environment and want to care for their siblings or whatever it is um, wanting to care comes from a positive experience. It doesn't come from a negative experience. The negative experience is afraid to not do the right thing. But to actually want to care doesn't come from a negative or painful experience. That's one thing. Another thing is to, is to, is to put the adult in the, in, the perspective, in the kid's position. So let's say I want you to change something. If I do something to you, like if I lock away you in your room, or if I take something away from you, and, uh, and then I explain, it's because I want you to do the dishes more often, so you're not going to be able to use your phone for a week because I want you to do the dishes more often, how are you going to respond to that? How are you going to relate to that? How is that going to affect you and our relationship and the way you think about the house and the way you think about the dishes? Um, even if I explain it to you, even if I explain it to you really, really well, the action that I'm doing is still causing, uh, still causing pain, and that's why, uh, and that's why it doesn't work.
the idea is not to say it's wrong and you have to do it differently, but you're doing it wonderfully. Let's look at how we can do it, how we can get even more of that, right? You're using this to get what you want and that's wonderful and I want to help you get even more. That's, uh, I like to really frame things in a way that's more about, that's about, um, the, the, kids, the kids know the reason I'm saying this is I want to help them improve their quality of life. Not because I think they're doing something wrong and they need to be fixed. Because I want to help them increase their quality of life, their relationships, their experience. And when they really know that that's why I'm doing it and that's how I'm framing it, which means I have to see it that way, um, then there's, there, there, again, there's, there's not a lot for them to protect themselves against because there's no attack coming, right? But even, even subtle, we, what we see as something like subtle can be something big to them. Uh, and wrongness is one of those things. So I think uh, one thing is to really uh, do it in a way that's uh, kind of like celebrating his effort and his journey. And another part of it is it, this, conversa this, this lesson doesn't have to happen in one conversation and he has to get it. You could give yourself like six months to work on it or a year to work on it, you know. I like to set really big timelines because I find that uh, I find that when I have a really big timeline for teaching a deep lesson, I don't rush and I'm able to tune in more. I'm able to be more sensitive to the moment. And usually I ended up teaching it way quicker than, 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 the, than the timeline I give myself, but it's way shorter than like it's way shorter than it would have been if I hadn't given myself the long timeline. It kind of works backwards, you know. So I would say, don't just imagine having one conversation about it. Imagine having like a lot of conversations about it and, uh, and doing it in a way that really, really lifts up your kid, you know, really lifts them up, really lifts up your relationship. You know, I had a piece of feedback to give to my daughter recently and I made a video about it that I'm going to post soon. I love this. I made the video right after I gave it to her um, because I was really in the moment. So I'm like, I'm like all like vibrating like this, but I've been waiting. I waited for like, I had this piece of feedback for her and I waited three weeks before I gave it to her. And I was doing two things in those three weeks. One thing I was really looking at myself and making sure I didn't have any wrongness in me when I shared it with her. Cause I didn't want her to think that I didn't trust her capacity. I didn't want her to think that I didn't trust her path and her process and her wisdom. I just wanted her to think I was giving her something to think about and a tool to use. Now she's 22, right? So it's different, but it's not different. It's different, but it's not different because I've been doing the same thing with her from the beginning. Even when she was two, it was the same thing. Um, just different words in a slightly different way of relating. And a couple of nights ago, oh, and the second thing I was doing was waiting for, her, waiting for the right moment, watching her, watching her, watching us, watching the relaxation looking for an op looking for the opening listening to how she's processing the thing and waiting for that moment and a couple of nights ago the moment came and I was like oh crap this is the moment i've been waiting for for 3 weeks and, <laughs> and i gave her the feedback and uh, and she and then and then she was asking me why and i told her something about i said because i really see how deep i she said why are you saying that and i said i really see how deeply self reflective you are and i think this can help in the in that self reflection that you do and the fact that I gave it to her because I, because I, and the way I framed it was that I saw this incredible skill that you have and I want to help you with your skill and make it even more powerful because I know how beautiful it is, that she got this beaming look on her face. And even though I was giving her uh, what normally would be considered feedback to something to work on, she didn't, she didn't take it in this negative way at all. Her face lit up and she felt so seen and she felt so supported. And I walked out of her room and shut the door and I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> like that, you know. And I was like, oh crap, I better make a video now while I'm in this mood. It was so fun. And uh, yeah, so wait, wait, waiting for your moment is really important. Tuning into your own uh, sense of rightness and wrongness and acceptance is important. And really tuning into them and the right moment for them. And if you do those kind of things and you take a bit of a longer term, and this is for teaching any, any values that we want to teach them, anything that we want to teach them that's a little bit deeper. And as soon as you start doing that, all of a sudden you'll find lots of opportunities to teach. Like maybe you're maybe you're uh, watching other kids on the playground. You can say, "Oh, look!" You don't. You can say, "Oh, look! That kid's screaming, and the mother's uh, mother's upset." We don't. We don't interact that way. You just tell me what you need, and we work on it together. And then I'm I'm explaining what it is that we do, even if it's not exactly what we do. I'm explaining it, and I'm sharing it, and I'm using life to teach the lessons, and I'm not using any wrongness. And you just you kind of get the hang of all of that after a while. So that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that there was something useful for you in here. If you want to find us, you can find us on Facebook. Our big Facebook group is called Gentle Parents Unite, and we have over 51,000 members and a really solid, powerful admin team that offers advice on gentle parenting. We also have our Patreon, which is our paid support service, where we do coaching calls and meditations and play groups for the kids, as well as um, we give full like hour, hour and a half long talks on different subjects around parenting and we've decided to make it very accessible it's only four dollars a month to start it's an honor system so if you can afford more of course we would love it if you paid more but if you can't afford more it's like a dollar a week to get all this personalized intimate service and it really helps parents you can also find my personal social media is meaningful ideas i have written over 500 articles between my blog which is meaningfulideas.com and my facebook page which you can just type in meaningful ideas and my YouTube has about 60 videos on it, all on parenting, and that's also Meaningful Ideas. So I wish you all well, and I look forward to seeing you next week, where we're going to have Season 4, Episode 1, and Sujai and I are going to be talking about the general concepts of conscious parenting, as well as going into depth around why we don't use consequences. So thank you very much, everyone, and we'll see you next week.